A reading from the first chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the 43rd verse. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. At some point along through the week, I decided to change my, my sermon title, and I neglected to tell Lindsay. So if you would, just as a little exercise in preparation, you can pull your, pull your bulletin out and write, Come and See, in it, and maybe that'll be a good device to help you remember those words, Come and See. So I read somewhere that a British lawyer who was a Methodist minister also, his name was Reader Harris was once speaking to a group of young lawyers who wanted to become prosecutors. The question that they were examining was exactly what did it take to be effective in the courtroom. And the older, very successful prosecutor told his audience these words. When I have a poor case, he said, I prepare an eloquent speech. When I have a good case, I simply call the witnesses. It makes sense, doesn't it? It has been said that the gospel of Jesus Christ simply needs to call its witnesses. It does not require eloquent speech. A witness to the gospel is simply a person relating her experience to another person. Relating an experience of someone or some event to something else. We do that all the time, don't we? About everything from painting to Tootsie Rolls to movies. We share our experience of something with other people. 
A witness conveys what they've seen or heard. Or sometimes in the simplest way of bearing witness to an experience, a witness will ask someone to go and experience that thing for themselves. We call that an invitation, don't we? We bear witness through invitations quite often. We invite other people to birthday parties to celebrate birth, the gift of life, and to bear witness to the joy of life. We invite folks to our weddings, not just so that they can see us in our pretty gowns, but so that they can witness a new reality, a man and woman becoming one through the work and grace of God. Our presence at a wedding is as witnesses to what God is doing. And our purpose thereafter as witnesses is to join in holding the couple accountable to the vows that they have made for one another. Before us and God. Likewise, in Jesus invites Jesus invites, Jesus invites. Do you hear the word? It's a commanding call. Come, come, follow me. So that they could later bear witness to the new reality that he was ushering in. The kingdom of God. Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand and calling for people to respond with repentance and to come after him, to follow him to follow him, to come to be on his very heels. To Andrew, he said, come and see. To Philip, he said, follow me. And then Jesus' words to Philip were an invitation to be a witness to what Jesus was doing and who he was. And today, Jesus continues to speak that same invitation to us, that we might witness what he is doing, what he will do, and who he is in our lives together. Jesus is still calling, follow me. That, I believe, is why we are all here. We're called by Christ to experience new life in him and to be his witnesses in the world. That invitation, come follow me, is not just for Philip. It's for all of us. This is the purpose of our life. And Jesus' invitation to follow has spread from person to person for ages and ages through the simple instrument of personal invitation. The good news of Jesus Christ and the invitation to follow him is still passed from person to person to person to person. Do you hear that, church? Individuals telling others. The preacher Leighton Ford tells a story about being in an open-air festival, an open-air preaching crusade in Nova Scotia. And he said, Billy Graham was supposed to speak the next night. Can you imagine being the first night before Billy Graham at a revival? I don't want that job. Billy Graham was supposed to speak the night, and he arrived a day early. He came incognito and sat on the grass at the rear of the crowd. And because he was wearing a hat and dark glasses, no one recognized him. Directly in front of him, there was an elderly man. 
who seemed to be listening intently to my presentation when I invited people to come forward as an open sign of commitment, Billy decided to do a little personal evangelism. He tapped the man on the shoulder and asked, Would you like to accept Christ? I'll be glad to walk down with you if you want to. The old man looked him up and down, thought it over for a moment, and then said, Nah, I think I'll wait for the big gun tomorrow night. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? But listen, there's no point in waiting for the big gun. The invitation itself is what is important. The Ford's point is that the person from whom we receive the invitation is not the power of the invitation. The power is that we are invited to follow the Son of God. But we can become very fearful of inviting others and decide to leave it to the professionals. Those whom we believe to be more equipped for the task. Isn't that true? And as a consequence of Christians not being the witness that Jesus has called us to be, many people go uninvited. They've never been invited to worship, never been invited to a men's dinner or a circle meeting, never been invited to Sunday school, never been invited to Easter service, Christmas service, Christmas Eve, they watch our cars leave. They know where we're going. Maybe they even wonder why we don't call and say, will you ride with me? We learn from this story of Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel that being a witness to Christ and inviting others to know Christ does not require a Master of Divinity degree. It does not require special training. Inviting others to experience Jesus is not a matter of eloquent speech irrefutable evidence, profound words, or exquisite logic. Indeed, what we learn is that all that being a witness requires, all that it requires is wanting others to know and experience what we have known and experienced. Do you hear that, church? That's all. All that being a witness requires is wanting others to know what you know. Inviting others to know Christ is not a task reserved for the professional or the well-trained. It is a privilege given to anyone who has been invited and is willing to invite. It is a gift given to any person who is willing to have the challenge come and see dance on their tongues. So if you say to someone, this Jesus has changed my life, and they say to you, Jesus is a figment of your imagination, can you not say, come and see? Philip's invitation to Nathaniel makes it clear that it's not just wise men from the east that God is willing to reuse to reveal Christ to others. It's not just the prophets or John the Baptist that God is willing to use. The story shows us that God is willing to use people just like us to bear God's invitation to others that Christ might be revealed to them as well. Is that not a gift to us, dear ones? Is it not a gift that we would get to serve the Son of God by asking people to come to His party? 
Our Lord is willing to use us through moments of simple invitation. Now listen, Philip didn't have any formal training. He'd been a disciple for less than a day before he decided that he had to tell somebody else about this Jesus. Less than a day. No training. He was completely unprepared for the skepticism that he met. And it's that same skepticism that causes us to be shy and to think that we can't be used to invite someone to worship or Sunday school or some other function of our congregation where they might encounter the truth of Christ. We often just don't know how to deal with the skepticism. But Philip has been invited just as we have to follow Jesus And I suspect that Jesus' calling to him so moved him that he had to tell someone that he was compelled. And so listen, when he encounters that skepticism, he says something very simple. He doesn't start quoting a creed. He doesn't sing a hymn. He doesn't break out the Romans road. He doesn't tell Nathaniel he's going straight to hell. He says, come and see. Come and see. David Luce says that those are easy, warm, and hospitable words. The heart of not only John's gospel, but Christian evangelism. As we are called not to cram our faith down another person's throat or question their eternal destiny or threaten them with hellfire, but instead simply to offer an invitation to come and see what God is still doing through Jesus and the community of disciples who have chosen to follow him. Do you believe that God is doing things here that matter? Don't you want people to see? Being a witness to the gospel, to the good news of the birth, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus simply means inviting others to come and see what you have come and seen. Do we not believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we not believe that Jesus is King? Do we not believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of all creation? Do we not believe that Jesus is Lord? Do we not believe that Jesus will deliver us from sin and death? Do we not believe that Jesus is hope itself? Do we not believe that Jesus is love? Have we not found joy in Jesus? Do we not believe that Jesus is peace? Do we not believe that Jesus is life itself? Eternal, abundant, transformed, and free. Have we not experienced these things together as his people? Have we not been moved by these truths? Have we not felt them deep in our hearts? How in the world could we not invite other people to experience those same things, to have that same peace, hope, love, and joy in them or in their hearts? Have you not known the comfort of God from one another? Come and see, said Philip. Because of that simple invitation, Nathaniel's life was profoundly changed. 
Do you know that in John 21, we're told that Nathanael was amongst that group of disciples that Jesus met on the lake shore and cooked breakfast for them? Do you see that his life was changed and transformed and he became a disciple of this Jesus, this Christ, this Messiah, this Son of God who came to save the world? He chose to follow him because his friends said, come and see. I wonder who we know that might be waiting for us to invite them. To give them that same invitation. Not a beat down with facts or a barrage of Bible verses or a treatise on authority of scripture. But what people need is a simple invitation from you to come and meet someone. The same Jesus that has changed your life. Has he not changed your life? What is it about our relationship with Jesus that we could share someone else? How has Christ changed us? What peace do we find in being in Christ? What strength have we found in him? What forgiveness have we experienced through him? What have we experienced together in Christ that might cause us to desire that others come to know him? Can the fact that we have been invited to follow him and have new life in him cause us to desire, to desire, to want to invite others that they might come to know him? At some point, we will all feel compelled to bear witness to this Jesus. It is our purpose. To talk about how he's changed us, how he's transformed our hearts and filled us with hope. Peter tells us that we should be prepared at all times to give that account. And we may find that we will be responded to with skepticism, but I encourage you to not be afraid. You do not have to prove Christ but simply invite others to experience it. So let us remember the power of a simple invitation. According to research, the overwhelming majority of people who come to Christ come to Christ because a friend invited them. 80-something percent. So let us remember the power of this simple invitation that we read this morning. Philosophical arguments will never have the power of personal witness. Telling our story and the invitation to come and see. Come and see. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.